Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, Quick strategic thinking is crucial, and with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown, and through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome to Islanders Anxiety, the podcast from Lighthouse Hockey. My name is Dan Sarasini. Joining me today via Skype is my friend Michael Leboff. And uh, Mike, the, the Islanders are in first place, and I'm not really quite sure how to react to this. It's weird. Yeah, it's it's really funny you actually say that. Um, my So I went to the game Sunday against the Ducks. I was with my brother, our buddies Frank and Matt and some other friends. We're going to talk and, a lot about that game in a little bit. <laughs> yeah, and and we're st- we're standing around this table uh, in one of the ha- the guys' house we were at was Merrick, and I was just kind of looking around and being like, it's really weird that we're about to go watch this team that's in first place. And the whole, basically, the whole driving conversation was how we didn't really know what to do with ourselves. Like nobody knows how to react at all. <laughs> the whole fan base. And as soon as we got into the Coliseum. I heard somebody, someone right in front of me say to the person they were at the game with, go, I don't know what is going on. And I just was like, exactly, in the best way possible. <laughs> but like nobody knows what to do. It's it's, yeah. it's nobody knows how to react and do this. We're all, and I think it's a good thing because it means we're all taking it and we're taking it in stride and we're just enjoying every shift. It's great. Yeah. Uh, I was uh, telling you, I was listening to our previous podcast uh, on my way home from work today and it's funny because the Islanders were at the time 
six points out of first place. And we were talking about how they had kind of had a weird run. They had played pretty poorly in a third period against the Rangers, but came back and won. They played pretty poorly in a game after that against the Rangers again and had lost. And then they had played really well against the Tampa Bay Lightning and won, which, you know, was kind of a milestone game at that point. Um, and we were just talking about like kind of holding their head above water and still keeping the good times rolling and, you know, nothing really more or less than that, which is totally fine. And here we are, are and we're going to talk about like their prospects of winning the division. I mean, they're up by three points right now. It's the all-star break. The Capitals are playing right now. They have a 2-1 lead over the, the Maple Leafs. So, I mean, that lead could be down to one point uh, by the end of the time we're done recording this. But the important thing is that the Islanders are in first place uh, at the all-star break, which is a thing like me, you, and everybody at the Coliseum that day never thought we would be at. This is not a point we ever thought we would get to in this season. You know, like that's just crazy. Yeah, it's so it's so funny. It's so weird. It's 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 really driving driving me like crazy in in a good way. Like <laughs> I keep I can't stop thinking about it. I can't stop talking about the team and just how good it feels. Every, you know, there's we talk a lot about the beginning of the season too, like the PDO and stuff. And sure, the Islanders are probably shooting their shooting percentage is a little crazy, but like it looks if you watch every game, it looks like a sustainable. Uh, way of playing hockey especially because they they keep improving like they're not they're not getting worse as the season goes on which is uh kind of something i also didn't see i thought you know if the islanders did succeed and you know scrape into a playoff spot it would be you know the way the kind of canucks are doing it right now which is kind of just you know punching above their weight and the islanders aren't doing that they're they're they are one of the heavyweights right now which is if you no matter like what statistic you're looking at they've they've kind of improved over the season obviously the playing goal has been insane uh, it's these, these, the, we're one of the big boys this season where the Islanders are going to be a team that is going to play a role in how this season, you know, unravels. And it, I don't, who knows, like it could, like we could, it could of course blow up in our face, but it could also go the distance, which is just really, really strange. Right. Uh, so let's talk about, there's been five games since we, uh, last spoke and, uh, I, I'm going to go just through them real quickly and then we'll take, kind of take them a uh, piece at a time after that. So, uh, uh, the Islanders were coming off of a 5-1 win over the Tampa Bay Lightning uh, a couple of Sundays ago. They followed that up with a 2-1 overtime win over St. Louis. Uh, they followed that up with a 4-1 win over the New Jersey Devils with an empty net goal. And then the next night, I think we're going to talk probably more about this game than any other, they had a game in Washington against the defending Stanley Cup champion Capitals, Barry Trotz's return to Washington, D.C., and came out of that with a 2-0 win. Uh, which is just ridiculous. The uh, game you were at was a 3-2 win, a th- excuse me, a 3 nothing win over the Anaheim Ducks at the Coliseum. And then most recently, last night, they lost in a shootout to Chicago 3-2, which snapped their five-game winning streak. And when you talk about, you know, the, the way they played and, and kind of how they've gotten to this point where they're, again, three points up in the division – uh, but I, I, sorry, I forgot. I, I need to apologize. I am this week. It's my turn to fight a cold last week was Mike. So if my voice cracks and stuff, <laughs> and if the episode is a little less edited than it normally is, that's why, but, uh, but we're here. Cause I got We got to get all this stuff off of our chest. Um, but, uh, when you talk about the, the way they play and the way they've gotten to this point, I think those, 
those three middle games, the 4-1 win over the Devils, the 2-0 win over the Caps, and the 3-0 win over the Ducks represent the sort of perfect ideal of what Trot's hockey, what Islanders hockey is this season. They gave up less than 20 goals, less than 20 shots on goal in each of those, uh, 19 for the uh, 17 against the Devils, 19 against the Caps, and then uh, 19 against the Ducks also. So they, they kept their opponents under 20 shots on goal, which is pretty crazy. They pounced on all of them early, and they never at any point deviated from the game plan. It wasn't like, you know, they kind of had a bad period here or bad showing. They were in complete control in all of those games, again, including, most importantly, a game in Washington against the Caps who were slumping. Um, the game against the Blues and the game against the Blackhawks are a little bit similar in that um, – the Islanders kind of had bad second periods, uh, which sort of were sandwiched in between better periods. Uh, they owned overtime in both of those situations. And against the Blues, they won. And against the Blackhawks, they couldn't score. And then this is not a team that should go to shootouts. I think we can uh, – we'll talk about some some problems later on. Shootouts are one of them, although I guess you know it shouldn't, it's not that big a problem. But, uh, but yeah, th- those three games, this five-game winning streak has been fun, and those three games in the middle represent the perfect ideal of how this team has gotten to this point and what Barry Trotz wants to see from his team. They were suffocating, they were frustrating, and people might call them boring, but you know what? Winning is exciting, so I'll take it. You can play bore me to tears as long as you win. That's okay. I'm, I'm fine with that. Yeah, there's nothing, there's really nothing boring about doing doing what the Islanders are doing right now, which is just turning this entire league on its head. Uh, and honestly, like, could change the way the game is played. You know, th- this is a copycat league. And, you know, we're going to talk about the Oilers later, I'm sure. And, like, teams that are struggling this year to pl- to to play the, you know, run-and-gun style, uh, very skill-heavy, speed-heavy game, could could kind of look at the Islanders as the blueprint. But, you know, that that's even besides the point. The, the, the crazy thing about those games, the Devils game and the Capitals game, a lot of times you'll watch uh, – if you watch boxing, you'll watch two fighters. Maybe one is more skilled than the other and that plays a part. But one fighter just has the game – the right game plan. And it just – there's the other fighter is in a ring with them trying to, un, to solve a puzzle. And solving a puzzle while you're getting punched in the face is very hard to do. <laughs> And it's the same same thing as playing hockey, right? You know, right. the Islanders are a puzzle that a lot of teams are really every night are having trouble solving. And trying to solve that puzzle on the fly is really tough. And that's kudos to Barry Trotz uh, again, and you know Lamarillo to some extent, and just the team in general. Obviously, the goaltending. Uh, it's it's really interesting to if you watch the other team, like focus on the other team for one of these games where the Devils game for sure in that second period was the second period that they shut them down. I've like this devil's team could not figure out the Islanders. You could have given them two hours, I think, and they wouldn't have, you know, on the ice and they wouldn't have scored in that second period. It was just wild to watch. It, it, uh, it was. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the Capitals game was a lot of the same thing. I was watching it and I was like, you know, whose name I haven't heard this entire game. Uh, Tom Wilson. Like they just, the, the entire Capitals team couldn't get anything going they just couldn't and you know they had we'll talk about they're they're slumping right now which is why you know they're them being up on a on the Leafs is kind of a big deal they they blew what is it like a two or three goal lead last night to lose to to San Jose so you know the Islanders may have caught them at the right time but they just completely disarmed one of the 
most offensive teams in the league. And and we're never not in control. Even though it was only two nothing, I never felt that that game was, was yeah, out of I, hand. I was I was gonna ask you when that third period happened, it was zero zero going into the third. Every other year of my life, <laughs> that game I'm I'm white knuckling. Hmm. I'm like you know that that especially you know just given the stakes, there was a lot. And Trotz even said you know there there was a lot at stake in that game. He said it I think uh, before the Chicago game and. Uh, just just talking about you know not not having a letdown going into the break or whatever and uh, just was thinking during that third period it was so weird it was a weird phenomenon personal phenomenon I guess that I uh, I just was like this is maybe the first time I've seen the Islanders go into a big game into the third period tied and just feeling you know pretty sure of the outcome of the game you know if the Islanders probably are going to win this game and just with the way they were playing unless something you know bad luck happens or a penalty and. It was such a strange feeling because the rest of my existence as an Islander fan has been the opposite. <laughs> yeah, no, they uh, they J- Josh Bailey had a goal, and then Cal Clutterbuck on and Matt Martin a couple of minutes later uh, on a two on zero pretty much put the game away. Uh, on the hand, um, Alex Ovechkin is obviously one of the great players in NHL history. His even without the Stanley Cup last year, his resume was secured. But man, when you get beat by Matt Martin in a foot race, you got problems. Like you might need to reevaluate or take a day off or something. Cause Matt Martin had to step on Alex Ovechkin and he just rocketed right past him. And the two of them, he and Clutterbuck on a two on O and Clutterbuck kept it himself. Um, but they just won. Like I've never seen, I have not seen an Islanders team and I'm sure you feel the same way. We have not seen Islanders teams win with defense. We've, we've only ever seen them win with offense. Um, you know, the, the Laviolette uh, teams, were were good. They were good defensively. Adrian Coyne is a guy we've talked about a lot who was really good. Kenny Jansen was obviously good back then. Back when Roman Hammerlick was good. Was he on that team? Back back yeah, he was. Yeah. Back before Kenny Kenny Jansen was a fireman. Yeah. <laughs> no. <laughs> uh so I mean it's not that they've had teams that had that were bad defensively, but they were okay. Like they were totally adequate. This these guys, their goal is to absolutely shut you down and suffocate you. And that is the blueprint by which Barry Trotz came up through the Nashville Predators. And and even from the Predators' first games, they played this stifling, boring defensive style that won them a lot of games. And it, you know, it took them a while to actually, you know, manifest those games into a playoff spot, but it's a way to work. I mean, there's a reason that the Devils did it. There's a reason that the Panthers did it for a long time. There's a reason that teams do it because it works. And uh and we're going to talk about Lou Lamorello later cuz uh, Arthur Staple had a cool Q&A with Lou. But, um, you know, this gets back to something we, we talked about a long time ago, which is the Islanders thinking about do, going back to basics, thinking inside the box, winning by playing defense. Go figure. Who who knew? Like, you know, you can do this. Well, maybe if you're not trying to win every game six to four, you can pull this off. And like you said, the goalies are playing really well. Robin Leonard, first star of the week. Uh, he had a 3-0 record. He let in what was it? One goal in three games or something like that. Uh, he was fine in Chicago. Um, the game time. I, th- I thought, I thought he was really, really good in the, uh, I guess the second period. I'm trying to think of when and there, I thought he was good. I thought, I mean, I didn't think he was, you know, fantastic, but I thought he was kept, gave the Islanders a chance to win that game. Oh, for sure. But, and the, and the t- game time goal kind of like, it was credited to Jonathan Taves, but it, it almost looked like it kind of bounced off of him as he was kind of like, sliding yeah, by the, other, the and the other goal was a five on three right so yeah just... so he he was really good and, and thomas grice was phenomenal in the game in washington like you know that was 
they started back to back and and you couldn't you know we rather have that and you were like all right well i hope barry's making the right call here but he did and they were both phenomenal and then leonard came right back with the game you were at that three nothing game against the ducks and you know the funny thing about that game and then the devil's game before it was you know people might be like well the Devils sucked this year with us, and Taylor Hall was hurt, so they stunk even more. The Ducks had won two games in a row, but they had lost 12 in a row before that, so they're also not a well-constructed team. They Half the team is, is hurt. And so, well, I mean, you know, I hope the Islanders should beat those guys. And my whole thing, and again, it gets back to the teams that we're used to seeing, is like, you might say, well, they beat up on some lesser competition. I say that's called TCB as Elvis used to say, that is taking care of business. That is beating a team that you're supposed to be convincingly and quickly. And how many times that's how, that's how teams win Stanley Cups. Pretty much. You know? And like, yeah. it, it occurred to me, I was thinking about it today. Like how many times have we seen the Islanders in a position where a team is coming in, you know, Western conference team on like a, you know, two week road trip. It's like game five or six or something like that, or a team on a back to back or a team that's got this, long slump and they're just nothing's working for them and and all the the hockey gods are against them for a week and a half and they're falling out of the playoff race and how many times have we seen them come into a game against the islanders and dominate and leave and the islanders are like well you know i thought we were prepared for them but i get we we didn't you know have it tonight it's like no that's not how it's supposed to be you're supposed to beat these guys so uh, to me shutting out the devils and the ducks is the way you're supposed to act <laughs> if you're trying to be you know a competent you know, first place NHL team. That's how you're supposed to do it. And then to throw a two nothing shutout in the over the Capitals in Washington, Barry Trotz's return. It's just the icing on the cake, basically. Yeah, and it's you can't say. I know people are like, well, you could say the Blackhawks are slump. I mean, not the Blackhawks. The Capitals are slumping right now. It's you know, we're not seeing the best out of them. That was the Barry Trotz return game. Like, so there's you can't tell me that these guys didn't have a little jump oh, for sure. and didn't want to win that game. I mean, the Islanders, of course you know, wanted to win for, for him as well. And, uh, but that was not that kind of game where you're just catching a team coming off. In fact, the Islanders were on a, I think both of them were on a back to back, but the Islanders were, you know, obviously they got a back to back too. So, you know, this was not, that was not a game that you can say the Islanders should have, you know, won. That was the, I mean, the odds suggested the Islanders had like a less than a 40% chance of winning that game. So the, the fact that they did that and they did it in, in, in a clinical way is so encouraging. One of the most encouraging performances I've seen out of an Islander team, like in 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 a single game in you know my lifetime. <laughs> which I keep saying, I keep saying stuff like that, you know. And we, I especially tend to be hyperbolic about the Islanders, both good and bad. And mm-hmm. but I'm, it's it's hard not to be no, right yeah, now. No. It's hard with this team. And I think I I can't. I remember a lot of you know random regular season games, and that was one that. I can't really hold that other ones can't really hold a candle to just given the stakes and how well they played those types of games. I look forward to all day and then the Islanders end up ruining it, Mm. you know, by losing (laughs) and not showing up. And they did the exact opposite this time. There's a lot of, they are traversing a lot of untrodden ground this season or ground that has not been trodden. If that's even a word in a very, very long time. And you and I were talking before we started recording that, and they have a really tough schedule, uh, post All Star break, and I, we'll talk about that a little bit later. Maybe even next week, we'll see. Maybe, maybe we'll keep this one positive and then talk about all that stuff next week. Um, but uh, if so, they have 33 games left in the season, and let, let's just say, just for the sake of argument, that they go 20 and 13 in those those games. You know, they, they 
reasonably over 500, but you know they lost a lot of games here. They have a they have a Western Conference road trip. The Flames are one of the best teams in the league. That whole thing. Let's say they go 20 and 13. That would give them 103 points for the season, and that would be the most they've had since. Hold on, let me call this up. That would be the most they've had since 1984 when they had 104 points. The 14-15 team that broke 100 points for the first time since 1984 had 101. So, again, I don't want to put the cart before the horse here, but if they they're in that they're they're on a pace to reach a stratosphere that they have not reached in quite a long time. And you were you brought up something that I mean they haven't won a division since when? I believe it's 1988, which is before I was born. <laughs> so I mean that's a long time. It is a long time to go without winning. Now, there's 35 games left or whatever it is. They're not. Nobody's going to hand them the division. The Columbus Blue Jackets could easily win the division, which would probably be the first time they've ever done that. So, I mean, it's it's nothing is set in stone. But, like, this is the place that this team has found itself. And I think that they recognize that. And I hope that after the All-Star break, they pick up right where they left off and – you know, use the time well for to rest, but don't lose sight of the bigger picture, which I don't think they will. Yeah, I they actually talked about that after the the Blackhawks game is that you know they were disappointed to lose and whatever, but I think it was Anders Lee who said you know we're looking at the big picture after tonight, and I actually kept saying that to people at work. I've been you know drumming up the Islanders winning streak, and they're like, oh, it's a tough loss, and I was like, no, we're looking at the big picture, hmm. uh, and uh, which is like you said, look at where they are. They're in first place, and. I think I've never, you know, I've never seen them win a division, and I think that's why I've never even like thought about it. To be, that, right. that's, I was saying to my friend, why, I was saying why to my friend you? Mike, <laughs> right? Exactly. I was said to him. That's what I said. I was like, that has been such a foreign concept that it was basically been just make the playoffs, make the play- who cares? Like, what what does the di- winning the division even mean? You know, make the playoffs, upset a couple teams, and you might find yourself in the Eastern Conference Finals. Something I've also never seen. <laughs> uh, you know, like that, which is that has always been the path to me. To it's never been you know win the division and actually you know what if they run away with the division? Like it, it, these are foreign concepts to me. Um, and it, it struck me actually too when when I was looking up at the banners at the uh, at the Ducks game and being like it would be crazy to see another banner go up there, uh, division banner. And I'm just like in awe of that fact that it's not, it's really starting to sink in that this team could put together a, a division winning season. And that would be a first for so many Islander fans. And I just don't, I mean, I wonder if that's a, if, if other fans have felt the same way that they've just never been in their thought process of going into a season. I've never, it's never been a goal of mine. It's never been like, Oh, let's, you know, let's win the division. That's just not going to ever happen. Yeah. No, because <laughs> I mean, there's now it might. Well, I mean, Whenever anybody does like a preview of the Islanders, and when I say anybody, I mean us too. Usually, it's like, yeah, they might be a bubble team. Especially lately, it's been, well, they might be a bubble team. Or, I mean, you know, our, our predictions were all, no, they're not going to make the playoffs at all. I was like, they could, but weird shit would have to happen, basically. And Mike B was the only one who was like, hell yeah, they can make the playoffs. So, uh, I'm pulling for Mike, and I'm <laughs> as much as I'm pulling for the Islanders, but. Uh, you know, uh, yeah, it's never it's never been on the table, and a lot of that has come from Barry Trotz. And so, culture changes is, is was the theme going into the season, 
and uh, there was an article, uh, an interview with Lou Lamorello. Uh, I don't, I don't believe we talked about this uh, last week. Uh, I believe it was with Brett Sergalis, and he talked with him in the post. and And the last line was, "Oh no, no, sorry, excuse me." It was Mike Vaccaro. Uh, apologies to St. John's uh, fellow St. John's alumni, uh, Mike Vaccaro, who spoke with uh, with Lou Amarello. And the last line was Lou actually throwing water on his own concept and being like, "Culture is an overused word. It really just means doing, paying attention to the details and getting the details right. And that's pretty much what they're doing. And those are that's when you've seen them being successful is when they." Follow through with the details in the games. They, they, you know, there's not kind of that's where you see that when they don't follow through with the details, that's when you see a team have more shots on goal or kind of run through the period. But when they're on those details and they're on and they're playing in lockstep with each other and they know where each other is going to be and everything is crisp and everybody's working and pulling the same direction on the rope, that is how it works. And I think, you know, to get back to what you were saying, like, I just don't think that there have been enough sort of detail-oriented people in running this team throughout those years that could actually look forward to winning a division. Because in order to win the division, you, you have to your details have to be down on on point. They have to be, and they just the people who were in charge just didn't see it that way, and they just weren't detail-oriented. And and I don't, you know, they never thought about winning the division because they didn't think that they had all the details right. I mean, I, I don't know if I'm even saying it, getting it out right, but the, no, you, you, I think, I think <laughs> what, what you're saying makes so much sense too, because just, it, it, maybe it's just me who thinks it, but I just, we talked about before the season, I think we brought up Lou saying something like that, like, you know, that that was like one of the first things he wanted to get people to do. And I remember hearing like the word accountability. And we always right. said, we talked about that word a lot. It was always a buzzword around the Islanders because there was obviously a lack of accountability and I would always kind of be, I don't know if it was just me being naive or just being, you know, I, I don't care about it. I just want wins and I can't, you know, tangibly feel it. Uh, you know, someone being accountable in the Islanders organization, but it, it's definitely coming through. It's shining through like this, this team, obviously there was something there that the, the people who were in charge didn't get enough out of and you think oh this is a professional sports team which means that the people who are in these positions are well paid Hmm. earned their way and are supposed to be the best in the world that you know doing these type of things and they 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 weren't they were clearly not and this the new regime is elite at it they're just like getting every they're getting the best out of everybody and it's and if it's lou lamorello saying it's the details then it's the details if it's him saying that it's because they're eating you know, they're eating right. It's because they're eating right. <laughs> the I will believe them. Yeah, it's the haircuts, <laughs> the haircuts whatever and the it is. numbers. Yeah. If he's, the numbers. I know people are talking about how it's, like, you know, that's, uh, you know, like conic or whatever. Like it's work, whatever, everything, everything they've done has worked. And you can say that, you know, there were some bad deals and some, you know, probably questionable personnel moves. Um, look where they are. So who cares? Who like, you know, it's, it's worked to this point in a big, in, in a big picture sense. Those have paid off. And you know who's to say that if if they didn't do do a couple of those things they wouldn't be here so right. uh it's it's i think that's kind of what we're, we're getting at is that this this new regime has has just taught these guys how to be professional and once again that's a cliche but it's paying off yeah no for sure and and obviously the the guy in charge of those details and and the professionalism has been Barry Trotz and something else happened at that game that i know i have never seen and i actually laughed about it and told my wife this when I was watching the game was 
after uh, you know towards the end of the third period, uh, the crowd, the sellout crowd at Nassau Coliseum, started chanting the name Barry Trotz. And it didn't come with the word fire in front of it or must go at the end of it. <laughs> they were chanting this guy's name in recognition of all of the things he's done throughout the first 50 games of the season. And Trotz heard and he joked afterwards that he turned to Scott Gomez and was like, why do I suck? And I guess Gomez was like, no, they're not saying Barry sucks. They're saying Barry Trotz. And he's like, oh, oh, like that. So I have never heard an Islanders crowd chant a coach's name in affirmation before I've, I've been through Mike yeah. must go. We've been through fire Cappy. We've been through snow must go. Snow must go had its own billboard. Like that's kind of a big deal. I've never heard of an Islanders coach getting his name chanted that way. And yeah. he's earned it. Maybe we should be putting a billboard up for trots, you know, right. <laughs> hey, thank you, Barry. Yeah. We could put it in guarded city or something. Like, thank <laughs> you. So we put it up at home Depot because he said, yeah. <laughs> another, my other favorite quote from last week was he was like, uh, you know, he, he he takes obviously all the credit, um, A, because he's the biggest fish out there, but also because Lamorello, another one of his rules, is he doesn't allow assistant coaches to be interviewed. So uh, Trotz was saying after the game, uh, you know, it's really the whole staff. I'm the beautiful face you have to look at every day and talk to. You can see the passion on the island. You go to Home Depot and you're getting high fives. It's not a bad place to play. So if you're giving, if you're seeing Barry Trotz at Home Depot and you're giving him a high five, that's awesome. Kudos to you and kudos to Barry Trotz. But I, I was like, I was stunned. I literally said to my wife, I've never heard this before. They're chanting Barry Trotz, and that's crazy. That's just crazy. And I had to explain the whole fire cap. You were the one who, <laughs> you were the one who said that Islander fans, and I think it's very big. We're like wounded dogs, you know. Mm-hmm. And we all we want is somebody who gets it. Yeah, we want you to under. We want you to understand what makes this team and rooting for this team so special. This is a, a team in a community more than it is a product of a city, right? We're not in Nashville or Dallas or something. That's a big city where there are millions of people. This is a suburb, and we, for some reason, root for this team. And you, you don't really get it unless you're in the circle. And Barry Trotz is in the circle, and he gets it. Yeah. And the and even if, and sure, the winning helps mm. for sure. Like that definitely brings these feelings to a forefront. And makes us want to even show up more and show this appreciation more. But he gets it. And I was saying the other day that he is saying and doing and understanding the way we wanted John Tavares to for the entire time he was here. He was he's saying things that I was like, if if some of the players that were here before that said said anything like that, I would it would mean the world to us, even if they sucked, <laughs> even if they sucked. Like, that's why Matt Martin has such an endear is so endeared to this fan base. He's not that good. But he gets it. Right. Barry Trotz completely understands what what this whole thing is and why it this this fan base reacted the way it did when we almost lost it and when we lost the Coliseum and all this and when it came back to the Coliseum why the you know the the fervor was back and I, I just, it that is a huge part of what makes him and this this team and what they're doing so special because there's some real moral fiber to what they're doing and. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, just, no, Trotz, he, he said this week, we're, we're all Islanders. That's, that's yeah, what he said I, that when they were going to Washington. He's like, I'm an Islander now. Well, I, my memories with Washington were great. I love those guys. We had four great years, but I'm an Islander now. We're all Islanders. And you could almost hear the collective gasp of Islanders fans everywhere. Like, did he just say what I think he just said? <laughs> like, we're all Islanders. Like, that's, I mean, all right, that was the marketing yep. slogan for a while, but that's crazy. 
that he said but that. But yeah, it's it's kind of what it is. Like yeah. the, the, the team is named after what we are, right. which is so rare yeah. too. <laughs> and it's another part of why it, you know, it makes it special. And just, yeah, when he said like the, if this, you know, it might not be fair, but if, if, if Bruce Boudreaux said, you know, we're all, we're, we're part of the wild or some, or, you know, freaking <laughs> we're all ducks or, here <laughs> yeah you know like and you'd be like oh, okay that sounds cheesy or uh-huh. cheesy or whatever or you know if if peter laviolette said whatever the hashtag for the predators is <laughs> you know and we're, we're living that out you'd be like whatever but like just that is just so it was it felt so genuine right. and not contrived and that's what it really hit home like it wasn't barry trot saying you know we're playing the game the right way he's, he's mm. he was said you know we're all islanders right. and that's and just the look on his face when he said it and it just hit home for so many people and i think that was like honestly a huge huge moment for yeah. us as a fan base yeah. and it, it'll get overlooked by a, by a lot of people outside of it but to us i'm like yeah like, he's right we are and that's part of what's this this whole good feeling good good air air of good feelings around this team is about like that's kind of what it all boils down to is what he just said and how he'd said it yeah um no well that's a good segue so you know, uh, I want to uh, we'll freeze on that that uh, Caps game. So the, they beat the Caps and they take over first place. And for a hot minute, this is a huge story. I mean, it's people are on social media talking about it. Elliot Friedman was like, "Ladies and gentlemen, your first place New York Islanders." Like it's a big deal, and people all of a sudden finally are like, "Wow, these guys are playing that well that they're in first place right now." Um, and with that came out you know, some people that might not have been too impressed with the fact that the Islanders picked to finish dead last by a lot of people uh, were in first place. Um, But also a lot of people were kind of dredging up old takes about how the Islanders were supposed to be bad and kind of, you know, regurgitating them or retweeting them and stuff like that. Um, In full disclosure, again, we had a preview, uh, a roundtable preview, and Mike B was the only one of us who picked the Islanders to make the playoffs. I said that them making the playoffs fell into the weird shit category, so I don't know. You can give me a pass if you if you want to, but I don't I don't need it. It's fine. Um, yeah, I, I had no expectations. <laughs> pretty much, like no, yeah. Um, so, I was I was ready for a season of you know just weird weirdness and yeah, not in a good way. Um, and so you know this kind of went on for a little while, and and. You know, my whole thing is I'm not going to I I'm not going to tell anybody to like not dunk on somebody on Twitter who had maybe a bad take from a few months ago. If that tickles you, if you enjoy it, it's fun. Go ahead. I mean, it's fine. But my whole thing is that I I mean, I there's really no other way to put this, but like and we t- we've talked about this now like two or three weeks in a row, but outside of us Nobody really is paying attention. Like you just said, like this is an important thing for Islanders fans because we are in, we are have not felt these emotions in a very, very, very long time. And nobody is going to really feel the same way unless you've been in it. And let's be honest, most people don't really pay any attention to the Islanders anyway. So why would they feel that way? And so like people like Ryan Lambert or James Myrtle, who we talked about last week, or like you know, writers from Deadspin or or whoever, any of these like sort of, you know, Twitter hockey intellectuals that like to throw wet blankets on things when people are having too much fun. Like, you could dunk on them all you want, but at the end of the day, they don't really care. <laughs> like, I, you know, we talked about, like, when I say care, I don't mean that they're rooting for the Islanders because they surely are definitely not. I can promise you that. They're definitely not rooting for the team. They're definitely not rooting for your your happiness and your no, satisfaction. They'll definitely, they'll definitely tweet that, oh, this is a great story when the Islanders, you know, win a playoff game or something. Right. 
But, but no, they're definitely not rooting for it. No, they definitely don't. They definitely don't care, and that's fine. They don't have to root for you, but they they just don't care. And and they they haven't been following this team. They're not like guys like Arthur Staple or Andrew Gross that are like with the team and know the players and know the frustration and have that kind of finger on the pulse of the fan base. They just don't care all that much. And I guess that's the thing. Like if if you know, and we all did it. I did it too. Like you know, you they're in first place and you kind of go searching for validation or searching for praise or anything like that you're not going to find it from these people you're just not you and you never are like I, i've enjoyed a lot that of what ryan lambert's written over the years but his shtick is a pretty obvious one like you you he writes that an obviously great player is better than you even think he is and that everything else sucks like that's and he's never wrong because he can <laughs> those two takes are never ever wrong you know if something sucks it sucks and then if it turns out it doesn't suck well he's like well it sucked at the time and you just continue to say it sucks that's his thing. He doesn't care. He doesn't care that the Islanders are in first place. So if I were my advice, again, you don't have to take it. You can continue to dunk on people. It's fine. But my advice would be to use that mental energy in, that you would normally use to dunk on a James Myrtle or somebody like that and use that mental energy to remember where you were on a Sunday afternoon when the Islanders shut out the Anaheim Ducks 3-0 and a sold at Nassau Coliseum chanted Barry Trotz's name. Like that to me would be a more productive and satisfying use of that brain power than finding an old tweet from Deadspin and like retweeting it to be like, ah, these guys are wrong. Because frankly, we were all wrong. Like we were all wrong. Nobody expected them to be this way. So enjoy it. Like have fun with it. Enjoy, you know, they're in first place at the all-star break. I'm just going to soak it in. Like I just want to sit back and I want to frame the standings and just put them up just so I can look at them and it will always be frozen in that moment. So there you go. I'm off my soapbox yeah, it's, now, but that's it. It's a, no, it's a good, it's a great point. And I, I've like actually physically de- almost done just that. I think uh, I'm really enjoying Kevin Schultz's shtick with Ryan Lambert uh, <laughs> from afar. And, but because just because like he, what he, the, the tweet that he picked up was so he just was, you know, surface level. He didn't, you know, go into it and whatever. But, um, and I think Kevin is, you know, pretty funny with what he's doing, Kevin but, uh, said, yes, <laughs> yes. <laughs> but I think, uh, it's, it's true. Like these, and we, we saw it, especially after the Leafs game, uh, that pe- that's when people really started to notice the Islanders and what, what was going on. And, and then when they caught the Leafs in the standings as well, hmm. you see a lot of people doing it. And I, I think we should just take like, yeah, let's go right ahead. Yeah. Do uh t- tweet that the Islanders are, are tied with the Leafs. Now I, 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 that's what, I'm enjoying maybe the most of this whole thing is just like watching the Islanders creep up on these teams who are, you know, supposedly Stanley cup contenders. And there's a team that is listed next to them in the standings that nobody really has figured out yet. The (laughs) the Islanders, I would say that the Islanders are the only team in the NHL that are playing this brand of hockey. Well, Uh, I, I think, I think the ducks were kind of there. I mean, the wild play, but the wilds are not, where the Islanders are no. like, but the wild play a very, you know, structured defensive game and limit, limit scoring chances and, and try to just generate good ones themselves. Uh, but th- no one's doing what the Islanders are doing well. And I think that's driving people nuts because <laughs> if you, if you don't play the, the high, high event hockey that everybody wants to see, you know, f- from a new, cause of, you know, they're watching the Dallas stars or whoever on game center, then, then you're an affront to hockey, which, <laughs> you know, right. that's that, and they can't figure you out because they just can't quantify what makes you guys good. And I th- I keep saying it. I think the Islanders' best quality is that they're hard to beat. 
and they're hard to and that makes them hard to figure out and that's what's driving these people mad and they, they want to be able to to kind of pick it apart and be right and say you know when the if the islanders do you know god forbid come undone you know ryan lambert could say well i did or sean McIntyre, whoever the fuck wants to say it can just say you know i did say that their goaltending was you know overperforming where they've been as career average these aren't like established goalies or their shooting percentage was going to come down like all right brother like we get it but yeah. it's just like that's what they're doing and it's it's just not it's not what we should be focusing on like you said like this, what we are focused, what we should be focused on, and galvanizing together as a fan base about is just where this team is, yeah. and it is in a complete unknown quantity right. for, for all for all of us. Like you, you're you're a little older than me. You you've seen you know at least a couple of seasons where the Islanders you know in like the early that early '90s season, and then in late '80s where they they're all right. Like they they had some modest success. There is a huge portion of this fan base where that is – well, basically everybody. There's fans like me who have never seen it and then fans like you who haven't seen it since you know they were wearing light-up sneakers that lit up. You know? <laughs> yeah, like, no, it's that, true. That's, that's what we're all dealing with together yeah. and that is uh, – there's a lot to unpack there and we should really just be doing it in the in the best way possible and – it's gonna be fun. It's fun. To, it's fun to to point out like people that underestimate the Islanders and to watch people do it. Mm. But I, like you said, like I would just focus on on the best part of it, which is where the Islanders are in the standings right now. The, the thing about those teams that you were talking about from the late '80s, early '90s, that you know they were okay. They you know it was I guess well the Terry Simpson era, of, you know '87 uh, Easter Epic, and then the, the second Arbor era. Like they were okay. But the number one thing that I always remembered about that time, and that that's when I was kind of coming around to watch the Islanders, was that they were still there was a lot of pride still in them. Like they had people remembered that was wasn't too long after the dynasty era, so people remembered and and people had gotten into it, and like they were a topic of conversation no matter what. You weren't there, you know. Now, and I've probably mentioned this before on this show, but like now, everywhere I've worked, I've been the hockey guy or one of like maybe one or two other hockey guys. Back then, everybody was the hockey guy. Like they, everybody talked about hockey. You go and you know your your friend's mom knew about what what was going on with the Islanders, or you know your boss knew that they were in a slump, or somebody you know they were on the back Newsday all the time. It wasn't like whoa they beat the Rangers now they're on the back page of Newsday. They were on the back page of Newsday all the time because that was the story, and they were part of the community. Like you like you said, they were part of the community. We're all Islanders. Like that was the whole thing. And so you know maybe it's getting to the, it could get to the point that that's obviously the ideal would be to get to that point where they are still a topic of conversation for everybody. And it's not just like, you know, I don't know if not to get off on a whole thing, but I don't know if our society is still the way it used to be back then where, you know, we could all sort of come together over this one topic, but it'd be nice if we could, you know, and, and you could talk about it and stuff. And hell, even if your neighbors are Rangers fans, they'll still know what's going on with the Islanders because that's the way it was. Um, a couple of things uh, real quick uh, to, to close up the point. So, um, yeah, there was a nice article in The Athletic uh, by Evan Sporer on how the Islanders are doing what they're doing and defensively, specifically under Barry Trotz. And basically, I mean, I'm not going to give it away. I don't remember it. It's not in front of me. But uh, it does talk about basically the the details that we talked about, the details and, and the, the structure that Trotz has them playing and how they can manage the puck and control the game through defense, through stacking up the blue line, through funneling you know, the puck and different players in different places, basically right into other Islanders and then turning about the other way. Uh, it was really well done, has like gifts and stuff like that. So you should definitely, definitely check that out. Also, uh, Gotham Sports Network had a great article on 
basically what, again, you were just talking about, like the misconceptions about why this team is playing so well. And, you know, one of Lambert's thing was, well, you know, if you take out the first month, then you're kind of skipping over the games in which they were bad. And the point, and people like Kevin and other people are saying like, you know, that's the point. Like they were working under a new coach with, you know, trying to find their footing, trying to find out who was doing what and what their roles were. And it's, I don't think it's out of the question to be like, well, that first 20 odd games or so, they were trying to figure it out. And after that point, they got pretty good. And so there's a big discrepancy between the Islanders at that point and the Islanders from that point on. And it's funny, you could tell the people that are paying attention by the people that talk about sort of like, well, they're, you know, whatever Corsi four or shots, you know, uh, you know, um, whatever four is, is 47 you know, something. And it's like, well, that's because it includes those games where they really weren't still trying to figure stuff out. If you look at it more recently, you find a team that is closer to league average or maybe in a lot of cases better than average. Um, and then on that point, right now, the Islanders are leading the league in goals against average by six goals. I mean, two shutouts will do that, but they've only given up 122 goals this year so far. The Bruins uh, have given up 128. And that's a team I was going to say that I think plays a lot like the Islanders do heavy on defense. Yeah, you're right. and, and then like, you know, it ends up on Bergeron's stick. And before you know it, he and Marshawn are in on a two on one or something like that. Um, yeah, that, I think that's, that's the, the, the right the comp, closest, especially. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and a team that you should strive to be like, sure. Absolutely. Too. Uh, and Matthew Barzell can strive to be like the great Patrice Bergeron. That would be that'd be pretty awesome. <laughs> um, he he actually uh, just as a r- random tangent, he did something yesterday that I was just like that, and it was uh, maybe it's because Datsuk's name kind of came up in the media a little bit. But I was like that shift. He ended up taking a backhand shot that Cam Ward made a good save on, and right. I was like that looked like Pavel Datsuk. Mm. Uh, just he he had, he had space at all times because nobody wanted to try to steal the puck from him because you know, all right, he's going to burn me and then he's in alone on the goalie. Right. And I was like, that is a Tabu Datsuk shift. Anyway, yeah. sorry. No, no, he's, I mean, again, that's, when you're, when you're, when you have a 21-year-old player and you're comparing him to guys like Bergeron and Datsuk and it's not crazy, that's, that's pretty wild. Like that's, that's the kind of, you know, that's the kind of player he is. We'll, we'll talk about him in a little bit because he's got the All-Star game coming up this weekend. Um, but yeah, so 122 goals against for the Islanders. Boston is second with 128. Um, just as I'm looking at this, Winnipeg, Nashville, Toronto, and Tampa Bay teams, obviously, that all have Stanley Cup aspirations are all below them. Uh, the Jets and uh, Predators have 134. The Leafs have 137, although that doesn't count whatever's going on in the Caps game. And the Lightning have given up 140 goals. As far as goal differential goes, right now the Islanders are fifth. Uh, Tampa leads the way with a plus 59. That's a lot. Calgary's been one of the best teams in the league. You talk about a team that doesn't get talked about. We have not talked about the Calgary Flames at all, and they are just tearing things up out there. Uh, they have a plus 45 goal differential. Winnipeg is plus 33. Toronto is plus 31. And the Islanders are plus 25, along with Nashville. So, I mean, again, like you were saying, you know, if you look at this, you're like, yeah, Tampa Bay, Winnipeg, Pittsburgh, Nashville, San Jose. And meanwhile, right in the middle is this very odd old logo that has got a stick <laughs> and a New York in it. And it's like, how did those guys get there? But that's that's the way it's been. And that's the way it's, it's going. It's, I was saying last week that just it's so interesting to look at them with that the the numbers next to them, their current you know record and the goal differential. Seeing the green yeah. of the NHL.com yeah, no, right? standings, where where when you when you're a positive goal differential team is so strange. Uh, it's it's seriously unbelievable. I think uh, t- just in in 
in kind of the same vein, like these these people that are are starting to pay attention to the Islanders are kind of starting at the at the top with Lamarillo and Trotz, and they're not really getting into the to the nitty gritty that we have. And and I think like like Nick Letty made a great play yesterday. I think you know besides Letty, I would say the the way that this team has played is kind of, if you think about it, you're like no, it actually makes sense that these numbers are next to the Islanders in the standings because you go down the roster and you're like these players all. I've played like they are on a team that should be, you know, whatever they are, 29s of whatever they are. It's first, first in the Metro, you know, they've, they've all put in those kind of performances, which, which like goes, you know, to trots and them and, but also to the players who I think, you know, especially Leonard, like I, I, people are starting to repay attention to Robin Leonard because of the the streak he went on, but how that guy, and I know John Gibson is, is like a unbelievable goaltender, but how he's not start people aren't starting to say like, yeah, he might be the the goaltender of the year. He might be be the Vezina winner. It's is a little frustrating yeah. to me. And and I and I'm someone who even when with Barzal on the call there, like, I, I really don't. It's hypocritical of me because I don't really like to get into arguments about you know individual player awards or Hall of Fame voting or whatever. But like to me, like this guy, it all things considered, should 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 be in, <laughs> in this conversation for for not just being a nice story anymore. Like yeah, yeah it's a beautiful story, but he should. He's playing really, really well. The Vezina is one of those awards like the Norris and the Selkie that you have to get a reputation, unfortunately. Like once you're in the club, you're in the club. And so like I'm not saying that Patrice Bergeron hasn't earned his whatever 18 Selkies in a row or something like that, whatever it is. But like once you break into the club, you're there. And, you know, you're you're going to get kind of votes every year. Jonathan Taves is like that. He won, I think, one one year and then he's got, you know, Selkie votes every year. And it's like, eh, maybe he didn't really deserve it. But, well, he's he's just good. He won that one year. So he's good. The same with the Vezina. Like, it, it turns out to kind of always be the same the same people. But maybe this year is different. Maybe this year newcomers like Gibson and, and Leonard and I guess Vasilevsky would be another possibility. Um I don't know. Uh, whoever whoever else might be up there, uh, you know, could could get a sniff because it sounds like uh, maybe Connor Hellebuck. Although they've given up a lot of goals, no, they haven't given up too many goals. But you know, maybe maybe this is the year that some new blood gets into the club so that they can kind of keep getting that that those bumps. You know, it took a long time for Marty Brodeur to get in that club too, and then once he did, he never left until he retired. So uh, that's kind of his. But yeah, I would be surprised if if people talk about that a lot more. Um, you know, Robin Leonard is just – I think people keep waiting for him to kind of fall apart. But it's like for years we heard that this guy was pretty good playing on bad teams. Well, now he's pretty good playing on a team that's playing stifling defense. And, you know, when you're only seeing 19 shots a game, you can – and he's getting shutouts. That's, again, that's what you want to see. That's taking care of business. That's what you're supposed to be doing. And good on him. And he's, he's – I hope – you know, I think – for us, forget the Vezina. We just want the Islanders to resign this guy, and which could be a few months away from now. But I think that's what we're all wondering about and how this affects them going forward. But Thomas Grice hasn't been a slouch either, and you know we don't talk enough about Piero Greco and and Mitch Corn again because we can't because they never get interviewed. But I mean, what those <laughs> guys have done in conjunction with the rest of the team is just phenomenal. I mean, that's, you yeah. I saw and I saw Lamarillo. I guess we'll, we should talk about that article, but yes. he. Uh, he, he he mentioned Chris Terreri too, right? Who uh, totally forgot about. <laughs> I didn't know he was with the team in a consultant <laughs> role or whatever. I guess he's working with the minor league goalies. Yeah. Um, and and I remember his. I think I was at Chris Terreri's Islander debut, <laughs> and I was like, "Hey, look, we got 
was, that was fun when the when the Islanders were, have had him and, and then they had Van Beesbrook like yeah. right in that same what a same weird, era. Yeah, and then they traded Van Bees. Well, they traded yeah they traded Van Beesbrook to Jersey for Terrari. Because right, they were right, going to the right. finals that year, and they wanted to like help the Beezer out. Yeah, that was a weird symbiotic relationship where the Devils would just like dump their guys that they wanted to get rid of off on the Islanders, and the Islanders might send like a good player to Jersey or something like that. To man, that John Van Beesbrook was an Islander thing. Is still weird to me. I was yeah. there. I was an intern that entire season, so I watched him play almost every year. That almost every game that year. And boy, that was such a weird feeling <laughs> of all people. You know, I mean. I think most people think of him yeah. as a Florida Panther, but I mean, for those of us, yeah, yeah, remember him as a Ranger. I, like, I think, I think you think of him as the Florida Panther because he had a great mask with them. Yeah, that that whole his whole mask was right. like the Panther face. Yeah, I was a, it was a great. That was like the one of the first hockey masks, goalie masks that I remember. Really being like, that's really mask, cool. Yeah, so. yeah. My, my favorite but, was yeah. always uh, Andy Moog's bear. Man, he had like, a, like a, he was like a yellow bear. On yeah, Moog had a good yeah. one. And I loved Roman Turek's like he's his, oh the his, Iron his Maiden always, one yeah yeah he was uh, always I always love the story of that because he's a huge Iron Maiden fan like he had a son named Eddie because he loves Iron Maiden and his so his mask always was the Iron Maiden mask so I don't know <laughs> why I remember that about Roman Turek I have no idea um, yeah. but yeah where it's going like this this is like the first the Islanders haven't had a, a stable goaltending situation right. and, and I, like it's, it's just one year in goaltending obviously is so fickle but like it's i feel confident about both these guys where they're at in their games and the fact that they have sorokin in the pipeline hmm. uh it's it's another like we just named john van beesbrook <laughs> and you think about like you know just the goaltenders they've recycled and we want this guy we want leonard to be you know the guy i think we're all rooting for him for a lot of reasons and you know top of the <laughs> the list is that he's really good yeah. uh it's like Think about the, the goaltenders we've gone through since 2000, since that John Van Beesbrook. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're talking we, – we had Jan Denis. We had Dwayne Rolison. Like, the, <laughs> like there's just like – there's all these names that you're like the stopgaps. Even Nabokov. Like Nabokov, who I love, one of my favorite Islanders ever. He's a stopgap. Mar- Marty Biron. Come on, Marty, Marty Biron. He, yep. he signed with the Islanders because nobody else signed him. Yeah. Like he was like, oh, I guess I'm an Islander now. It's like, what? Why? <laughs> why are you here? I think – and everybody was like, why are you here, man? Yeah, I think that was like a three. That was another like three goalie months. I think there was somebody. There was, it was Rolison, Biron, and, and I don't know someone else. Dipietro, but, I guess, yeah, it's just, right? yeah, DPH, yeah. right? Exactly. Yeah. Yes, how can I forget? Well, that was the thing so, was you know he was around for so long. But uh, um, oh, but so yeah, so well, you brought up the the Q and A with with Lamorello and uh, and you know he talked about of course it always gets back to Marty Bordeaux with Lamorello and he said you know Marty was the guy who sort of subverted or subjugated his his individual identity for the identity of the team, I guess, until he <laughs> ended up a St. Louis blue for a little while there. Again, a completely bonkers thing that I'm sure blues fans are going to look back on like we are right now and be like, man, remember when Marty Brodeur was a blue. Um, but uh, he talked about, you know, nobody, nobody personifies the Jersey, you know, the logo on the front versus name on the back more than Marty Brodeur. But the, the big thing about that Lamorello interview, and you should definitely read it. Obviously we always, you know, we always talk up uh, art stuff in The Athletic. It's routinely excellent. Um, my favorite thing about that article, and this will lead us into our discussion about the, the great the Edmonton Oilers who have made headlines once again. But my favorite thing about that Lamorello article was he talked about the importance of being able to tell people something they don't want to hear. And it's not just a hockey thing. It's a life thing. He talked about sometimes... 
you know, people tell your kids something they don't want to hear and it turns out to be a better lesson for them than anything you could have taught them because you may not have wanted to tell them that. But that's such an important thing. And I think that's what gets to, you know, yeah, okay, Lou is old and he's got dumb rules about haircuts and numbers, but he's willing to tell people stuff they don't want to hear. And I guarantee that John Ledecky and Scott Malkin didn't want to hear that they should fire Garth Snow and Doug Waite, you know, and probably pay them money to sit at home and not do anything. But that's what needed to be done. And if they didn't do that, the Islanders surely would not be sitting here where they are right now. And I thought that was really, really interesting. And it's a simple thing. Again, like, you know, sweat the details. It's a simple thing. But it means all the difference in the world. Just, you know, being being willing to tell somebody something they don't want to hear because it's for the betterment of the franchise or their life or whatever is such a huge thing. And it took a long time for the Islanders to get to a point where they got those people. And now they have them. And hopefully they continue on on the right path because, again, that's that's a great thing to have as long as it's all working. But uh, I thought that was really, really interesting. I mean, Lou is a master of telling you lots and lots of stuff and talking your ear off without actually saying anything. And so the Q&A was a little bit of that too. But I thought the whole thing was really fascinating. You know, it's not a long read, but it's really cool. Yeah, I thought I thought so too. I actually wanted more and more because, you know, we're so used to not hearing from right. – it's so weird to, to see Lou, Lou Lamarillo's name. Like, oh, next on the NHL network will be right. Lou Lamarillo. Like, He's an Islanders general manager. They don't talk to the media. Well, and, they, and uh, he like jokes with them, and like yeah. you know, it's just and, weird. Yeah, they have they have relationships. Yeah. Like, these guys know have known each other for a long time. It's not like snow. So and it's but, always great talking to you, John. Like they, <laughs> <laughs> Steve uh, Matthew Matthew Bonaby knows me very well. It's always lovely talking to you, man. I was pulling up the article and and just because there was like a part of it I'm trying to remember where it was like he was talking about moving to the island or whatever, um, and how he's like. He knew he knew of it just from like driving to games when he was with the Devils or whatever. But he's the same thing. Like he's he starting to, to, I think, understand what's go, like what the ethos that surrounds his team, the the ideal ethos. Like it hasn't been that way, obviously, but the, the reason that this team exists. And I think he's starting to get it and to have him who honestly, this might be a little bit, you know, short sighted of me just because of how well they're doing right now. But I think Lou deserves a lot more credit than he's gotten, especially from the bigger uh, plume of media who you definitely poo pooed some questionable decisions he made in the offseason. But like this guy, if Barry Trotz isn't here without Lou Lamarillo, like there's a lot of things that there's probably no way that they're re signing, you know, N- Lee and, and Robin Leonard's not here without Lou Lamarillo was the one who went out and got Robin Leonard. Like th- he deserves a lot more credit than I think he's been given by a lot of people. And, uh, at this point, I'm like just all in on on what he's doing too. Like, it's, especially for this season. Uh, yeah, it's 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 like how can you how, if you're going to bring up like the 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 Komarov contract or the fact that he brought Valtteri Filippo into this team and that the, the Hosang stuff. Like, you got to realize the bigger picture here is what matters, and what he's meant to the big picture is is a lot more than what he's meant to like those or what those decisions mean to the big picture i guess well and also he's filled out the front office staff with like business people and again assistant coaches and people like that that would not have happened without him you know i mean that's all that's all part of the same thing i mean he he was brought in to be the team president and and all that entails and you know, we've never seen anybody like that and he he said another thing he said in that article with staple was you know the the front office staff now is built much like it was when he was in New Jersey. So it's a very comfortable setup for him. And obviously he's talking to, he has people he knows, including his son, obviously. Um, But yeah, I mean, it, 
this team needed a guy to come in and say, no, this is how NHL teams do stuff. And that's what Lou is. And you might think he's antiquated or old, but he knows how NHL teams do stuff. And he's not going to skimp on the dollar amount. He's not going to like, you know, go on a skeleton crew just because he feels like it. He's going to fill out the team the way he has seen it be run, both, you know, in a modest sort of, you know, mid-tier or small market team like New Jersey or with the biggest market team in the world in Toronto Maple Leafs. And, you know, he knows that these, you know, you got to have to pay people to do stuff. And I, again, I think that goes back, you know, management and ownership too has to be willing to like foot the bill and like sign a check and be like, all right, well, you, you want to hire this guy who is the, the business manager for the Penguins and help get their arena built. Okay. Let's bring him in. And, and there he is. And, and he's going to oversee the building of Belmont park. And I'm sure once Belmont is, is under construction and, you know, more of the sort of business operations, filter out towards the Islanders from the Barclays people, you're going to see even more hires being made. And again, Lou can do that because Lou's Lou and everybody knows Lou and Lou knows everybody. So, uh, you know, I think we're all a kind of concerned. I don't want to talk too much about the trade deadline because we're a little bit far away. Kerry has an article about how the Islanders should approach the trade deadline. And it's really good. Uh, it's a little too early for me to talk about that yet. Uh, I don't want to get there, but uh, you know, I think people are concerned that, you know, he might make a misstep or something like that, but um, it's in so far, like, like I mean, it, it goes without saying what you said. Uh, <laughs> it goes without saying what you just said. Um, Barry Trotz isn't here without Lou Lamarillo. I just, uh, if Garth Snow is on the other line saying, Hey, Barry, why don't you come? You want to come coach the Islanders? I don't think Barry Trotz is here. And that's not a slight to Garth Snow. I just don't think Barry Trotz is into it. But if it's Lou and, you know, ownership is ready to foot the bill for stuff, I think Barry thinks about it. And here he is. And he's yep. having a good time right now. Um, with that said, the Edmonton Oilers have disappointed 30 NHL fan bases by firing their general manager, Peter Chiarelli, a man who I think could potentially be considered the third, maybe second best general manager in Islanders history, considering his trading history with the Islanders, uh, having given them the likes of Matthew Barzell. Anthony Beauvillier, Jordan Eberle, Johnny Boychuk. Remember him? Yeah, he came from Peter Chiarelli, too. Uh, Tim Thomas. Remember that one? Remember when yeah, the Islanders that was, the, a, that, was so, that was awesome. The greatest cat mule of all time. Um, oh, and, <laughs> and uh, he took uh, uh, Brian Rollison off of Garth Snow's hands for some reason. I have absolutely no idea. Um, yeah, no, Chiarelli was fired. Um, it, the news came out at about 2 o'clock. This morning, and we all kind of woke up and we're like, oh, they fired Chiarelli. But apparently the decision, he actually was fired during the second period of the Oilers-Red Wings game on Tuesday night. And that is cold. Like, they, they fired him during the game so that he can leave sort of under the cover of, of darkness. Uh, and when the Oilers promptly went on to lose the game 3-2 to the team that was in last place in the NHL. And so when it came out that he was fired, that was it. Um, the best part of all this, unfortunately, now everybody's going to lose the guy who might potentially trade you a Taylor Hall uh, for an Adam Larson. Uh, the best part of this is seeing all of these Edmonton media guys who have been telling us for four years about what a genius Peter Chiarelli is and how he's playing, you know, five dimensional chess while everybody else is playing checkers. Now be like, mm, these moves were too bad and he had too many blemishes on his record and now he's fired. It's like, what? You guys weren't even talking. You were talking about how this team was, was, was following the game plan. And all of a sudden you're like, man, well, too bad, man. Now you're out. It's, it's fascinating. It's, 
It's so good. And the Koskinen thing is awesome, too. Oh, yeah. Oh, geez, I totally forgot. Thanks. Yeah. Um, Just his last act as a general manager was signing former Islanders draft pick Miko Koskinen to a three-year contract that's going to pay him $4.5 million next year. Miko Koskinen has 30 games in the NHL under his belt. He has been regressing ever since a very good first month of the season, and now the Oilers are stuck with him. Oh, and they also gave him a partial no-movement clause or a like a limited – that's what it is, a limited no-trade clause because if you're going to pay a guy $4.5 million a year for three years based on 30 games, why not give him a no-trade clause too? Like that's – that's why you get fired <laughs> when you're there. Yeah. It's, yeah. And then the, the report came out that it, the the contract was basically like solely negotiated between Chiarelli and Koskinen's camp, which is great. So he's, I think he might have saw the writing on the wall. He's like, you know what? I'm going to screw them a little bit. <laughs> well, there was one report that was like, well, this was a team decision. And the other one was like, well, no, it was a Chiarelli thing. And this gets back to exactly what I was saying. And look, I, you know, I'm not trying to laugh at a guy losing his job, but I am going to laugh because he had Connor McDavid. And, you know, the Islanders took tons and tons of shit, deservedly so, for having John Tavares not really doing a whole heck of a lot with him outside of the one the one playoff series they won. Again, deservedly so. They deserve all the, the blame in the world for not building a team around a guy who you could build a team around. The Oilers have been much worse <laughs> without, you know, for Connor McDavid than the Islanders were for John Tavares. And there's no end in sight. They're still stuck with Lucic. Now they're stuck with... With uh, Koskinen, there uh, there's a lot of guys on the books for that team that are going to take up a lot of money for a long time. They don't have Taylor Hall. They don't have Jordan Eberle. They're going to trade Cam Talbot, who was the savior like two seasons ago, and now he's not. Um, but this, you know, this the thing about the Oilers is they don't have what Lou Lamorello was talking about, which is a person to tell somebody, in this case probably owner Daryl Cates, that this is a bad idea. <laughs> you might not want to hear this, but this is a bad idea. Signing Milan Lucic to this contract is a bad idea. Like, if somebody told him that, he wouldn't be stuck there right now, and maybe they'd be better off. Trading Taylor Hall is a bad idea, but nobody told him that. So, here you go. It's uh, It's been – there's a lot of schadenfreude out there about this. And, you know, now the articles are starting to come out. Oh, my God, we've got to save Connor McDavid from the Oilers. Yeah, okay. Yeah, sure. That's That's going to happen. I'm sure. <laughs> yeah. uh, I, I mean, it's it's so fun to not to be where we are hmm. in the position we're in, and to see that stuff happen, and not have to worry about you know, well, well, you know, I can't really enjoy this uh, because the Islanders are doing you know the same thing, and it's so it's it's nice to it's nice to be able to look at that and be like, yeah, that's not no, no, that's not how you know, put your nose up. At it and be like, that's not how an NHL team's supposed to look. Yeah. I'll show you how an NHL team's supposed to look. Hmm. We're we're all on the same page here. Like our, <laughs> our our star players seem so happy. I mean, that's another thing that I actually wanted to mention about the Lamarillo thing was the way you talked about Matt Barzal. And yeah. sure, like there's there's been lip service done about players like that in the past, but the way he talks about him, you're just like, yeah, that's that's how I feel about Matt Barzal too. He seems to like be just such such like a good professional hockey player. Uh, and professional being the key word, um, and Lou, Lou sees that. Because I think Lou would be the type of guy that if Barzal wasn't up to task, it would he'd be basically you know, sent down or something stupid would happen where the whole <laughs> hockey world would be making fun of us again, not like, like we're doing with the Oilers right now. And, yeah, it's, it's just nice to be in this position and to, to be able to 
join in on the fun for once. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, Lou, Lou, yeah, talked about how he didn't really know Matt Barzell personally before, but now he knows what a competitor he is and, and how he wants to be that good. And he wants to be, you know, he, he wants to be an all-star, perennial all-star and be that guy who, who, you know, is the best, one of the best in the league. And that's the kind of people you want. But he's also, you know, he's not cocky. He's, he's confident, but he's humble, that all that kind of stuff. I believe it was on the uh, athletic podcast with um, Pierre Lebrun and, and Scott Burnside. I believe it might have been wrong, but uh, Arthur Staple was on it. And I believe he said that, you know, Barzell has had a great time under Lamorello. Like Lou loves to tell stories. And apparently Barzell is a is a rapt listener. Like He likes to hear these stories and, and he wants to be part of the conversation. And he wants to be, again, in the in the place where the best players in the league are going to be. And ironically enough, one of those places is in San Jose this weekend for the NHL All-Star game. Uh, we talked about it last week. I think Barzell has as good a chance as any to win the MVP. I would love to see him do it. I think it would be an awesome you know, kind of thing. Everybody's going to be off on vacation this week because they have to be. Uh, Barry Trotz said he is going to go visit his parents in Balmy Dolphin, Manitoba, uh, which was like minus 35. He said, yeah, I don't know if he was kidding or serious, but I could believe it either way. Um, but I think that would be an awesome, an awesome bump for the Islanders to be like, holy cow, our, our guys, we're on vacation and our guys out there winning all-star game MVP. And I think they would, they would really feed off that coming back uh, after the all-star break, because they got a tough schedule coming up in February, uh, back-to-back games against the lightning and Kings to start things off. And then it's, um, was it 14 games in 28 days in February? That's just brutal. Yeah. And <laughs> I know they have like this eight game break right now, but the Islanders, uh, another startling, startlingly good thing that they did was they got through this hellish um stretch in january i think they played like 10 and 21 or some some crazy amount of games brendan burke right. was talking about it. i was like and they came out of that and butch goring actually made a very salient point he's you know there's that's the stretch of the season where you know you're, you're looking at the schedule early on and you're like by this time we'll know we'll know whether this team is you know for real or not and that stretch is bearish it's just going to tell you where you're at the end you're going to go into it you're going to hold your breath and you're going to come out of it. You're either going to be in a playoff spot, you'll be fighting for a playoff spot, or you're going to be at the bottom of the barrel and being ready to, to call it call it a season. And the Islanders got out of that that stretch in hmm. like probably I think you know basically every NHL team had that a similar number. They probably took maybe besides the Flames had the best record in yeah. in the and maybe the Lightning in, in that stretch. They had the most uh, points, right? They won 15 of 18, wasn't it? They had 22 yep, yeah. points in that stretch. Yeah. It's it's insane. So I'm you know it's as daunting a task as it will continue to be. Uh, we we seem to have already got through one one significant checkpoint. So yeah, uh, I'm not not too too worried. <laughs> the uh, the teams uh, in February represent the the real challenge. Again, they got another game against the Lightning. I'm gonna go out on a limb and say it's probably not gonna end five one Islanders. <laughs> but uh, hey, you never know. Maybe it will. Then again, they have a back to back the next night against the Kings who. You know, aren't as good as they used to be, but still could could put you away. And then again, they got to go out west. They got to play the Flames, who have been very good. They got to play them twice, actually. Uh, they got another game against Columbus, who's always, 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 always given the Islanders fits. They have a game against the Bruins, who again are very good. Uh, the Devils, who are probably kind of tired of getting kicked around a little bit. So it's going to be tough. But you know what? We've we've had a great show, and we've talked for an hour and ten minutes. And I don't want to get into that. 
that stuff. <laughs> we'll talk about that next week, kind of coming out of the, the break and, uh, you know, the, the things to worry about uh, as much as as great as it is that the Islanders are in first place. And it seems like they'll be in first place by those three points, because right now it's five two Leafs uh, with a couple of minutes to go in the third. Unfortunately, we have to say thank you, Leafs. Uh, but this will tie the Islanders, which is just as good as. The Islanders being ahead of them anyway. Let's be honest. Just the, just the fact that the Leafs has to have to see the Islanders there is a victory in and of itself. That that we're all kind of tied, and so that's good. Nobody thought we'd be there too. So yeah, I, I think it's. I think this is like I've said. It, I said it a couple of weeks ago after they beat the Leafs, but there is nothing that is going to scare Leafs fans more than the the fact that if the Canadians catch them and the Bruins catch them, there's a you know there's still a an outside chance that the Islanders and Leafs meet in the playoffs. And God. I think we'll, we'll obviously all be very, very afraid here, yeah. but I, th- I I don't think it'll, it, it, I think it'll pair and compel in comparison to what, you know, James Myrtle and, and, and Steve Dangle are, are feeling <laughs> up there because they're the ones that were supposed to come into the season and, and be there. Well, the Islanders are going to be playing with house money. So I was, I was, uh, you just took the words right out of my mouth. I was going to say the difference in there is one team's playing with house money and the other one isn't. So yeah, I totally see what you're saying. <laughs> Yeah, so I mean, it's just like another like another kind of added perk is, and I, I mean, let's be honest, like I don't think that's the ideal matchup for the Islanders in the first round of the playoffs, but it's just like another feather in the cap that like they are putting that much more anxiety into this fan base and this that media monster mm. up there and and into the player that spurned them. So there's you, you can't tell me that that guy hasn't thought about that because mm. he has. Apparently, there was an article. In NBC on NBCSports.com today about Tavares's roller coaster ride, and I, I I clicked on it and I was gonna read it, and I'm like I don't I don't want to hear this I don't care <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna pay attention to my team see where my team's at and and enjoy it and again and soak it in because it's been a lot of fun uh, soaking it baby. soaking it in uh so yeah so we'll talk about more like more about the schedule we'll talk about the All Star game obviously uh, next week and uh, get into all that worrisome stuff uh, so I got a bunch of stuff to plug before we. Get out of here. Uh, as always, sneakyathletic.com. Go there. Use anxiety in the discount code box. You save ten percent. You got yeah. We got they got the uh, the these nice goat hats with the Matthew Barzal. Yes, like they're orange and blue. So for for All Star Weekend. Yeah. No, get the goat because he is the goat, and I think this weekend he'll be the goat. Uh, the in the game because uh, I think he's going to have a great game. Uh, but yeah, they got the Fort Never Lose. They got the goat stuff. Ten percent you can save it. Anxiety. Put it in the discount code box. That is sneakyathletic.com. Do that. Uh, you also have a week uh, of no games, so you have extra time. Go to iTunes. Go to SoundCloud. Go anywhere. Leave us a review. <laughs> uh, we really appreciate it. If you could, five stars, obviously. You don't have to write anything if you don't want to, but if you can leave us a review and gives us a little bit more visibility, it actually works out pretty well. Uh, I saw you were talking to somebody about getting on Google Play. Uh, that I can do. Uh, I, uh, tr- Truth be told, I, had an- I have another podcast, Golden Girl Sports, and I had that on Google Play, and I think I thought I put this one on Google Play too. <laughs> So I guess not. So I'll work on that. We'll get that there. If anybody listens on Google Play, that's uh, it's not hard. I forget how I did it, but I'm sure it's not difficult. So we can do that too. So uh, thanks for bringing that up because I had totally forgot. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and and and, I, and now I guess we're at the halfway mark. It, it sh- I do want to say thank you. Like the the feedback has been really good 
to the show. And, and I know you and I were a little nervous about doing it once a week and the Islanders being good has definitely helped. Um, <laughs> but like people, it's, it's, it's really great to like hear people say, say, you know, reach out on Twitter and stuff yeah. about uh, the show because we, we really like, I love doing it. I love talking about the Islanders. So uh, <laughs> this is great. It is, it is as enjoyable for us, if not more enjoyable, quite frankly, for us than it is for you guys. So yes, thank you very much for all of your feedback and all of your support and the comments and, and the clicks and the listens and the downloads. We, we appreciate all of it. We see all of it. We appreciate all of it. And we wouldn't be here without you guys. It would just be Mike and I talking over Skype, <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> which would be fun, but uh, you know, it's, it's kind of cool that we can record it and people listen to it. Uh, okay. Speaking of um, Islanders podcasts, our lighthouse hockey Islanders podcast, brethren, uh, Noel and Dan are having a live Isles buzz episode. On March 16th at the Great Offside Tavern after the game uh, against the Red Wings. So get down there if you can. Again, that's March 16th. Uh, live Isles Buzz. You're going to go the, go there, watch a game against the Red Wings, go to the offside. You know it from the commercials. Take a look and then stay uh, for Nolan Dan's show. Should be great. Uh you never know who you're going to see down there. <laughs> uh, we'll see what we can do. But, uh, yeah, you should definitely check that out. We'll plug that a few more times as well. Um, also, more Lighthouse Hockey brethren. Uh, John and Travis, otherwise known as Spizwolf and NDRE, have a new website. It is called NHLnames.com. You can go there. You can hear local uh, play-by-play announcers correctly pronounce the names of players on every NHL team. This is a great site. It is meant for broadcasters. But if you know any hockey fans of other teams, if you know any other NHL broadcasters or journalists or writers or whatever, make sure they know. Kick that traffic up. Make sure people see it. Please don't you know, send Brendan Burke 3,000 notifications about it because I'm sure he's seen it. Uh, but anybody else, it could be helpful for them. And it's a great site. And it's, I, I had never thought of anything like this, but... Seeing the the work they put into it is it's just great and it's just clean. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Yeah, when he cool he yeah uh, he DM me. He's like, hey, I'm 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 gonna launch a site, you know, check it out and retweet it. And I was like, I was absolutely. And I was he never there was no context. I had no idea what it was gonna be. Hmm. It was and so when it was that I was I, I laughed a little bit. I was like, this is great. Yeah, and no. I just started clicking. I just started clicking around on a bunch of right. names. So I was like, this is a lot of fun. I went to yeah. the Chicago one and I clicked on Henry Yokihara. Because I had never heard of this person before, and that that's how you say it. So uh, it's NHLnames.com. Check it out. I mean, I'm sure it's going to be updated. Uh, Travis and John did a great job, and we they deserve our support. So let's support them. Uh, what else? That's it. Uh, read Lighthouse Hockey every single day for your most yeah. up-to-date Islanders news and discussion. Thank you for all for doing that. What yes. is? Uh, and you should follow Mike on Twitter at his Twitter account. What is it again? It's the Big Lebowski with two E's. The Big Lebowski. And we're all Islanders. And we are all Islanders. Barry Trott said we're all Islanders. You should follow Mike at the Big Lebowski because we are all Islanders, and it's great. But we're all Islanders, and you know what? We deserve a couple of days off (laughs) because we need to soak in this first place standing right now. So thank you very much for listening. We will be back next week. Uh, We appreciate you hanging out with us. Thank you so much. Oh, and uh, congrats to listener Dave and his wife on the birth of their son, Henrik, uh, he told the story in the comments of last week's episode. Glad everybody's doing well. It's a great story. Check it out. And uh, Mazel Tov. We will talk to you on the other side of the All-Star Game. Good luck to young Matt Barzell, and we'll see you then. All right, bye-bye. 